For our scripture reading, we turn to Acts chapter 10. We take note in this chapter this morning, the reference to Jesus being anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and that he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It's a statement that's made in verse 38. And then we also take note of the fact that those who, that of the saints here that received the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit fell on all them which heard the word. And our mind is directed also to the fact that we partake of Christ's anointing. We start at verse 9 and read through the end of the chapter of Acts chapter 10, starting at verse 9. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten but while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, was lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. <coughs> and Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the morrow after, they entered into Caesarea. And Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. 
And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up! I myself also am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is un an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for. I ask therefore for what intent ye have sent for me. And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa, and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon, a tanner, by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I sent to thee, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now therefore are we all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people, and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of quick and dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, 
because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. So far we read from Holy Scripture. In the passage we read in the rest of Scripture, the basis for the teaching of our Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 12. There we read, Why is he called Christ that is anointed? Because he is ordained of God the Father and anointed with the Holy Ghost to be our chief prophet and teacher who has fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God concerning our redemption and to be our only high priest who by the one sacrifice of his body has redeemed us and makes continual intercession with the Father for us, and also to be our eternal King, who governs us by his word and spirit and who defends and preserves us in the enjoyment of that salvation he has purchased for us. But why art thou called a Christian? Because I am a member of Christ by faith, and thus am partaker of his anointing, that so I may confess his name and present myself a living sacrifice of thankfulness to him, and also that with a free and good conscience I may fight against sin and Satan in this life, and afterwards reign with him eternally over all creatures. <clears throat> Dearly beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, Last time we considered the meaning of the name Jesus, which is his personal name, and indicates that he is the Savior. And in that Lord's Day, we talk about the fact that he is the complete Savior. Now the Catechism moves on to the name Christ as we're going through the Apostles' Creed takes a few Lord's Days to cover that phrase, I believe, in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. What do we mean when we say we believe in Jesus? What does the name Jesus mean? What does it mean when we say we believe in Christ? And then the next Lord's Day is on the phrase, only begotten Son of God, his only begotten Son, our Lord. 
In this Lord's Day, though, therefore, we look at the name Christ, which refers to his office, where Jesus is his personal name. Now we look at him from the viewpoint of his office, that he's ordained of God, he is anointed with the Spirit, anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. And we look at the different aspects of his work. Specifically under his, what he does as prophet, what he does as priest, what he does as king. So from a certain point of view, there's a great deal in this Lord's Day. It's a number of Lord's Days that there's so much in them that one could have you know, a series on the, on the Lord's Day. This is one of those Lord's Days. Because there's a lot in here that talks about what Christ does as prophet, certainly just on that subject alone. Or what he does as priest. And in fact, you could even talk about just one aspect of his work, like his work as intercessor alone. But it talks about his sacrifice, talks about his interceding for us, and then his work as king. And how he defends and preserves us, how he governs us. Each of these subjects could be treated by itself. And then our calling to confess Christ, that could be treated by itself. Or our calling to present ourselves a living sacrifice of thankfulness, and so on. So there's many subjects that are mentioned here, but we look at them together from the viewpoint of what it means that Jesus is the Christ and how he labored in the service of God. That his works were that as we look at his life and his work and how he was, he faithfully served God and he showed his love for us. In verse 38, there's a summary of what Jesus did in his life. When the, the Apostle Peter stands up and speaks, and in a short amount of time, he's going to speak the gospel. And as he talks about what Jesus did in his life, that he summarizes it. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. That's quite the summary of his life. Going about doing good showing his love for others, healing those that were oppressed of the devil. And this Lord's Day directs us to think on Christ's love for us, and I want to look at his, the work of Christ from that point of view, First, talking about what it means that he's anointed and what it means that we partake of the, that anointing, looking at that relatively briefly. 
then looking at Christ's work and considering his love for us, how he shows his love for us in his work as prophet, in his work as priest, in his work as king. And then turning to the subject of what we are called to do. Thinking of our life, your life and mine when it comes to an end, and if a summary is given of our life, what did we do? What, is our, what are we supposed to be doing? And to look at it from the viewpoint of how we are to labor in God's service, we partake of the anointing of Christ. We have work to do. We're prophets, priests, and kings. And we are to labor showing our love for others as we prophesy. As we labor as priests and as kings, we're to show our concern for others We live in a time where there, the selfishness of man is so manifested. Sometimes people want somebody to speak on a subject like, how do you raise children today in an age of such selfishness? How do you rear them and teach them to show concern for others when there's so much selfishness that characterizes people today? Well, this Lord's Day speaks of how we're to view what Christ, it speaks of what Christ has done for us, and we're motivated out of a desire to show our thankfulness as we consider Christ's work for us, and then also for us each day to remember, I'm a prophet, I'm a priest, I'm a king, I've got work to do. Imitating my Savior, thankful for my salvation, serving, one, serving others to the honor of our God. We look at this Lord's Day under the theme, Anointed with the Holy Ghost in Power. We consider first, Christ's anointing, secondly, Christ's work, and then thirdly, our calling. First, with regard to the term Christ, the term Christ means anointed one. Same as the meaning of the word Messiah. Some of the times the reason, and like in this case, the reason why you can have two words for the same idea is because of the difference between the different languages of Hebrew and Greek. The Messiah coming from the Hebrew. So you have a Hebrew word for anointed one. And then Christ from the Greek. So you have a Greek term for the term anointed one. And with the difference between the languages, there sometimes can be two words for the same idea. That in the Old Testament day, they were looking for the coming of the Messiah, the anointed one. And we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Two terms, both having that idea. That one is anointed means they are ordained of God. 
they are chosen they are given a certain position and they are chosen of god the fact that they're chosen ordained of god and the fact that they are qualified they receive power they are anointed with the holy spirit and with power those ideas are set forth in that term christ just like if somebody was anointed to be king that would set forth the idea that god chose him to be king and also as the oil was poured onto his head it would illustrate it would point us direct our attention to the fact that the holy spirit is upon him and he receives power he receives the strength that he needs to do the work so he's chosen to do the work and he receives the power to do the work that that is the idea of the anointing first of all the fact that he's ordained of god brings out the idea that he's god's elect he's the chosen one that is an important idea to remember when we talk about the elect we might have a tendency to just talk about the elect as referring to all those that are chosen in christ it is good to remember that christ is the chosen one he is referred to as god's elect like in isaiah 42 verse 1 and he is anointed with the spirit and with power as we read in verse 38 he is the one who is anointed with power when it says the holy spirit and power well the holy spirit is the power of god and the holy spirit is the one who gives one the strength they have power from god to do the work and that's the idea of anointed there were three that were anointed prophets priests and kings now we read you know we read of the kings that were anointed and we're familiar with passages like samuel being called to anoint saul and then to anoint david for example also the priests were anointed and we find passages that speak about the anointing of those who were going to serve as priests like aaron and his sons were anointed as far as the anointing of a prophet there is a passage where we read of elijah being told to anoint elisha in first kings 19 verse 16. and we know that when we read in the old testament about the prophets we are being directed to think about what christ does as prophet and all the instruction about the calling of the priest directs us to what christ does as priest and as we look at what the king was to do we are directed to what christ does as king god is with him he was anointed with the holy ghost god was with him one who has the spirit having the spirit of god upon him 
The Spirit is God. God was with him. He served Jehovah. He showed his love for God and his people. And we are partakers of Christ's anointing. When the question is asked, why are we called a Christian? A common answer to that question is, well, we're followers of Christ, which is true. It's the way our children often answer that question, that we follow Christ. That's what it means that we're a Christian. But this answer here lays out the work we have to do, the position that we occupy, and that we are anointed with the Spirit. We receive from God what we need to do the work. And that's an important idea for our children to understand, for you children to understand you are prophets, to understand you are a priest. Like in the Old Testament, if someone was born in the line of the priests and if the parents were teaching the child now, you're, we're, you're, your dad is a priest and you are to teach the sons that you're called, you're, you're going to be called to labor as a priest. You were born in the line of the priests. We have work to do. And we receive, God has chosen us Christ is ordained of God. God has chosen us in Christ. And we are members of Christ by faith. We're joined to him by faith. We are members of his body and we partake of his anointing. Now there's a distinction. Christ receives the spirit without measure. That's brought out in John 3, verse 34. That he receives the Spirit without measure. He is the sole head. Looking at Jesus from the viewpoint of his his human nature, he receives the Spirit. And he is our head. And we, the members of his body, receive gifts that are distributed to the different members of the body according to the will of God. We are anointed, we receive gifts. And that's an important connection I want to make here is that sometimes we talk about receiving spiritual gifts. And we're talking here about being anointed. Well, there's a connection there. Those who are anointed with the Spirit receive gifts. For example, we're going to talk about prophesying. We're going to talk about ministering, serving, offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. We're going to talk about ruling. We're kings. Those are gifts. In Romans 12, we read of that. Romans 12 is where we read of that verse that speaks of us off presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. That's in Romans 12, verse 1. And then it starts to talk about the different gifts we receive. 
the spiritual gifts that the Spirit gives us. And it speaks of somebody having the gift of prophesying. It speaks of someone having the gift of ministering. It speaks of somebody having the gift of ruling. And we all receive these gifts, yet in varying degrees. And we are to use the gifts in the service of our God imitating Christ. So now we turn to consider, well, what does Christ do? And this is another aspect. As far as, you know, talking about the rearing of children, we're to constantly tell the children, teach our children, consider what Christ does. Like a child that's going to learn to do what its dad does. This has often in the past been the case. Children often learn to do what their dad did and often followed in the line of the work of their father and they'd grow up and they'd watch what their dad did and they'd learn from their father what they were to do and then the time came when they were the ones that were engaged in the in the work we are to look at jesus christ our lord who gives us an example his work is Unique in the sense, like his own, he, he offered the one perfect sacrifice and reconciled us to God. Yet there's a, there are senses in which we imitate him. We offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Well, what, what does Christ do? And his work is, is referred to from the viewpoint of these three aspects. We speak of like the three aspects of the office of Christ, his work, and we want to look at it from the viewpoint, as we go through these briefly, from the viewpoint of how God shows his love for us, how Christ showed his love for us, so that we don't just look at it from the viewpoint he did this and he did that and he does this, but that we look at it from the viewpoint of his love for God and his love for his people. In his love for you, he taught you. How do you know what you know? Jesus taught you. He's the one that revealed to you the secret counsel and will of God concerning your salvation. He taught you the truth about salvation. He taught you the will of God concerning you personally and has worked in you faith so that you know that God loves you personally. You know God doesn't love all human beings. You know he loves you. Jesus has taught you the will of God concerning your salvation. He's assured you of his love for you. He's worked in you faith. And what you know, you know because he's taught you. He's taught you by his spirit. He's comforted you with the word. 
In the old dispensation and then also in the new, there was this period of time where there was this new revelation. And now the scriptures are finished. That's related to the fact that the Christ came. We know with regard to the fact that there's no more kings like they had in the old dispensation. That's because in the Old Testament, there was a time where there was a king pointing to the fact that eventually the king is going to come. And then he came, and now there's no more kings like that. The king has come. In the Old Testament, there was one who was the high priest. Well, that was during the time when the high priest hadn't come. Now he's come, and there's no more high priest like that. The Romish church is wrong in speaking of somebody on earth as the head of the church. The head of the church has come. And there's a parallel also with regard to the prophets. There were prophets leading up to Christ, and then Christ came. And when Christ himself came, and the ones that he had personally called to serve as the apostles... There was a period of time when Christ was on earth, and then also those that Christ taught, the apostles, were on earth. And then after that, the scriptures were done. The prophet had come. And scripture is sufficient. He's fully revealed to us the secret counsel and will of God. That idea of fully revealed. The scriptures are sufficient. We have what we need here. In whatever we face, in whatever we go through, we find the answer here. In the scriptures. Everything that we need to know regarding our salvation in Jesus Christ. We don't look for special revelations and visions or there's those that look at what they call the creation and say that the word of God, that there's additional word spoken to us there. We have in the scriptures what we need, and the Spirit works in us and guides us to understand what we have in the scriptures. Jesus has shown us his love for us as priest he laid down his life for you and he continues to intercede for you that Christ's work as priest he shows you his, he has shown you and he, his love for you he laid down his life for you that we remember the punishment that you and I deserve Christ suffered in their place. And to, he continues now to intercede. He's at the right hand of God and he continues now to intercede for us. He makes continual intercession for you, for me. And he blesses us. He assures us we're forgiven.
confession here only makes a reference to his sacrifice and the fact that he intercedes for us. We often add the idea that when we talk about his work as priest, that he blesses us, as the priest was the one that would raise his hands and bless the people. Jehovah, bless thee and keep thee. That was something that the priest was to say as the priest held up his hand. Bringing out that Jesus blesses us, our high priest. Works in us by the Spirit, gives us peace, gives us joy. And he's our king. We look at that in a number of places in the Heidelberg Catechism. Thy kingdom come, for example, rule us by the word and spirit. Then we talk about Christ's work as king. He governs us. He's governing you and me now. He's defending you. He's defending you and preserving you. He is the one that brought you into, you've been engrafted into Christ, and he's the one that keeps you and preserves you, as is brought out when it says, who defends and preserves us in the enjoyment of that salvation he has purchased for us. He defends you. He's showing you his love. He is defending you. As you go through this life, he is constantly defending you. He's preserving you in the enjoyment of that salvation he purchased for you. Your king is. He shows you his love. And throughout we see that his work is particular he reveals the secret counsel and will of God to some people. As it was pointed out in the passage we read in Acts, when it says that Jesus appeared to people, not to all the people, but to some. With regard to revealing the secret counsel and will of God concerning our salvation, that is particular to some people unconditionally chosen. Whom does he bless? Many people say he blesses all human beings. Well, that would go with the idea if you connect it with the other aspects of the work of priest, sacrificing, you know, offering the perfect sacrifice. Who did he die for? Who does he intercede for? Who does he bless? Those three would be the same. who he died for, who he intercedes for, who he blesses, all having to do with the work of the priest. So if one says he blesses all human beings, that would go with the idea that he intercedes for all human beings and that he died for all human beings, which is not true. He laid down his life for his sheep. He intercedes for his sheep. He blesses his sheep. The Spirit applies unto them, the Spirit of Christ applies unto them that which they have in Christ. And as far as whom he defends, 
He destroys our foes. Those who walk impenitently in sin, he destroys them. He preserves his people. He defends us. He strengthens us in the, in the battle against our threefold enemies. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he delivers us from spiritual bondage. When he mentioned, when the Apostle Peter mentioned that he, Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, he adds, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. He set us free from spiritual bondage. In the scriptures, we read about how people, when they saw that Jesus cast out demons, they made a reference to Jesus' power when they saw that. It says they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this, for with authority and power he commandeth the unclean spirits, and they come out. He just commands them, and they come out. The power, that was Luke 4, verse 36. And we read that there were those that when they came, and saw one that had had devils cast out of him. They came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And there were those that saw that and were afraid. This one, whom the, uh, of whom the devils were departed, Christ cast out the demons. His power. They were those that were afraid. There were those that wanted Jesus to leave. That was in Luke 8, verse 35. We look at this, the fact that he delivers those that are oppressed from the devil and are reminded of the fact that he has set us free from spiritual bondage the bondage of sin delivered us from the power of the devil. He set us free. The gift that God has given to you, you think of the best gift you could receive. Christ tells you your iniquities are pardoned. Christ sets you free from bondage. Christ assures you you have life everlasting. He gives you gifts. And then you're to use the gifts in the service of God, showing your love 
for God's people, imitating the Messiah, the anointed one. And so now we turn to our calling. And you and I are to listen to this Lord, to what's set forth here, and consider, you know, what a what am I doing? It's easy for everybody to kind of do their own thing. Or to kind of live in isolation from God's people and just be concerned about my own life and the life of a very small circle of relatives and some friends. And we all do have our position in calling, and we do have a we do have a calling in our family. And each one of us does have work to do in our own family. And with though and there are those that we know more than we know others. Yet we're also to remember that we have we are anointed, we partake of Christ's anointing, and we have received gifts that we are to use for the advantage of the other members of the body, of the body of Christ. So that as we look at what the prophets did, we are directed to think on what Christ does and what we're called to do. Or what the priests did, we're directed to what Christ does and did and what we're to do. And also with kings. That those that were called to be a prophet, they knew... They had to prophesy. Somebody, if God spoke to you and you were a prophet, you, you, God revealed himself to you and told you to tell others, you had to. God called you and put you in that position to tell others. Or if you were raised in the line of the priests, you had to serve as priest. God put you in that position. It was a privilege to serve him. And it's important to look at it from that point of view. What a joy to serve God, to be liberated from the bondage to the devil and to serve the living God. And it's also good to look at it from the viewpoint, I've got work that I must do. God's called me to that. And we're to do it out of love. Love for God, love for his people. So our calling as prophets, well, we're supposed to confess Christ. That I may confess his name. Well, I need to grow in wisdom and understanding to improve in being in doing that. In confessing to others what the truth is. 
and witnessing to others from a variety of backgrounds, listening to people, understanding their thoughts, trying to be able to express to them what Scripture teaches, being patient with people, giving instruction in, in humility, giving instruction faithfully, explaining the truth faithfully, unashamedly. That we have to keep looking to the God to guide us by his spirit to know the word and to explain it to others. We're called as priests to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Now that, that certainly gives it the idea of how we're to show our thankfulness, offering our, our bodies as a living sacrifice, presenting myself as a living sacrifice of thankfulness to God. We're to offer the sacrifice of praise. We're to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow our Lord. The priests were to pray, and were to pray for the people of God, and to use our gift for the advantage of the others in the body, living not unto ourselves, but seeking what we can do for others, so giving a good example to the children, not only telling our children this, but then giving them a good example. Because we can all be just busy doing our own thing. We have our own personal devices, which can be used properly. But also we can be just doing, kind of doing our own thing. And not having our mind on what the Lord would have us do and how I can use my gifts, how you can use your gifts for the advantage of others. And our calling as kings, well, a whole subject in itself could be to talk about, and there's other places too where this comes up, the idea that it's not the carnal kingdom that many seek and talk about Christianizing nations. This is a place in our creeds where it talks about what we do as kings, and it doesn't say that. It says we fight sin and Satan. And it brings out the importance of having a good conscience. That we're not walking in sin. And that we turn from our sin. Really. That we turn from our own sin. Asking for forgiveness and seeking deliverance. That we fight that with a free and good conscience we may fight against sin and Satan. That's what we do in this life. An ongoing battle. Looking to, the, to Christ for the strength we need. For the grace that we need. To go around doing good. 
doing what God would call us to do. We are working and doing the work that we're called to do in our homes, in our schools, in our churches. Some people will say, you know, how are you making a difference in the world? Well, what is our calling? We are engaged in the work we're called to do when we're laboring in the home, caring for God's children, teaching them the word, ruling them. When the mothers are in the home, caring for the children of the church, they're doing the work that God has called them to do. And when fathers are spending the time with their children that they ought and are instructing them and disciplining them and showing them love and encouraging and comforting them, that is the work we are to do. And we work together in our schools, educating our children. We are doing the work that God calls us to do when we're doing that. And that we are to work together Directed by our God as we go in various places, wherever the Lord would have us go, as we have work to do throughout the week. And then after this life, we'll reign with Christ. You know, Christ's work, when we talk about the work of Christ, we talk about how there's a summary here of what he did in this life. Well, his work continues after He died. He arose. And his work continues. And for us, what about after this life? We'll reign with him. That's amazing. Afterwards, reign with him. We don't look for a carnal kingdom now. We're mindful of the fact that God speaks of us reigning on the earth in the life to come. Afterwards, we'll reign with him eternally over all creatures. What a joy we have in Christ Jesus. We are to show our love for God, showing our love for his people, being diligent in our work, And laboring with joy, may the Lord grant us the grace to do the work faithfully. And may we honor our God, our Savior, and glorify his name. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord, our God, and our Father, we are so thankful to be members of the body of Christ. And as each one of us has work to do, and as thou hast given us gifts, may we use them rightly, imitating our Lord and our Savior, the Christ, the Anointed One, to thy honor. Grant us that grace. We are thankful, O Lord, for the communion of the saints. Forgive our sins and deliver us from evil. For Christ's sake, amen.